0: Hello, everyone. I am Matt Williamson. How's everyone doing this fine day? Uh, we are going to focus on when DTR and the Browns have the ball. And we give you my prediction at the end. I want to start with a special teams nugget. This is crazy. So the Browns have attempted 27 field goals this year. They've made 24 of them. What's so crazy about that? Nothing. It's, it's the way it is. But their opponents have collectively only attempted 13 field goals all year. They've only made eight. The Browns have only had the ball go through the uprights on a field goal against them eight times this year. That's bonkers. I mean, Pittsburgh's opponents have have attempted five more field goals than the Steelers. You know, I mean, but that's not even what I'm getting at. I mean, the fact that, People have only made eight kicks against you. I mean, first of all, you're really lucky that five of 13 don't go in. And the fact that there's only been 13 attempts. And what's crazy is, we mentioned yesterday, one of the only weaknesses is the Browns' red zone defense isn't great in terms of percentage of touchdowns allowed. So teams are actually getting in the red zone and scoring against their great defense. But I just think they don't get there very often or even get in field goal range all that often. I mean, pretty crazy. All right, so let's get in when the Brownies have the ball here. They're averaging 4.6 yards of play, but they're at 4.9 over their last three games. Steelers give up 5.6 for the season, and they're at five six over their last three games. That's a big number, folks. 10.6% of the Browns' offensive snaps this year have featured an extra offensive lineman. Most in the league by far. They also use 0-1 personnel. You'll never see that, hardly. Zero backs and one tight end, the league's highest rate. And in turn, only one team uses 12 personnel less. One back, two tight ends. They used to live in 12 and 13 personnel. They've changed quite a bit. for Watson, who's not in. Uh, The Steelers' defense have faced 21 personnel at the league's highest rate. And 11 personnel, which everyone runs the most, at the 26th highest rate. They have played a lot of teams that use fullbacks and some unorthodox stuff. Only the Broncos and Eagles force a three and out a lower percentage of drives than Pittsburgh. Pretty bad. Only the Ravens and Niners are running the ball a higher percentage of their snaps than Cleveland. And this is going to be a run game. I don't think anybody's making any bones about that. As a team... They've had three different quarterbacks. The Browns are completing just 52 percent of their pass attempts, the lowest percentage in the entire NFL. Only three offenses have a higher average depth of target than Cleveland, though. Just three defenses are allowing a better completion percentage than the Steelers, and only the Bengals are seeing an average higher depth of target. It seems to be a trend every week that the teams of team, the teams that the Steelers have been facing, Tennessee, Green Bay, et cetera, same with the Browns. They throw deep, but they don't complete a lot. That just so happens to be what teams are doing against the Steelers' D, too. Teams throw deep against Steelers' a lot, but don't complete a high percentage, as you'd imagine. So, as a team, only the Eagles and Broncos hold the ball longer per pass attempt. Watson's was highest among all, all quarterbacks. But I did a bunch of work on P.J. Walker. I can just skip over that. I can skip over the Watson stuff I did. But for DTR, Dorian Thompson Robinson, he's lean. He's smaller. Like, he's, he's not short. He's not tiny. He doesn't look like Bryce Young, but he's not well built. I mean, he's kind of built more like a wide receiver. And he runs like it. He is a very good athlete. He started one game against Baltimore. He attempted 36 passes in that game, completing 19 of them for 121 yards. Just under a 53% completion percentage. Took four sacks, didn't throw a touchdown, and was intercepted four times. His yards per attempt was 3.5, which is just terrible. His passer rating was 28. His average depth of target was also high, as was his average time to throw. So all three of these quarterbacks, not that it matters because Watson's not going to play, but it's been a trend with all three. High time to throw, throw the ball deep, turn the ball over a lot, don't complete a high percentage. So if you see Walker in this game, it's very similar. (laughs) So what else we got here? Okay. Of the 35 Brown pass attempts last week, Cooper got nine, Njoku got nine, Elijah Moore got seven. That's 25 of the 35 targets. And of a possible 78 snaps, Cooper played 72, Njoku 68, and Moore at 65. Those three are the driving engine with Moore a distant third there. Cedric Tillman, though, he got an uptick in snaps. He played 66 offensive snaps, but didn't catch any of the three targets sent his way. So, a lot of Amari Cooper stuff here, and I do think Porter's going to shadow or semi-follow him on Sunday. His 750 receiving yards leads the team, and it's 338 more than any other Browns pass catcher. He has 11th most receiving yards in the NFL and has already had his bye week, so he's a game shorter than some people, some other receivers. (laughs) He's also fifth amongst all NFL receivers and team air yards as Cooper has accounted for just under 46% of the Browns air yards with Watson, a quarterback, he averaged 7.8 targets, 5.6 receptions, 96 receiving yards, 0.4 touchdowns per game. As opposed to all the other Browns quarterbacks, his targets are similar, 8.3, fewer catches, 3.3, much fewer yards, just under 59 and zero touchdowns from other Browns quarterbacks. So, if you're a fantasy player, you want to start Amari with Watson, much more though with other dudes. As for Moore, he's seeing 21% of the targets when quarter, when Watson is a quarterback, but only reached 50 yards once this season. Pittsburgh allows the sixth most yards per game to receivers aligned on the perimeter. They also allow the fourth most yards per game to receivers aligned in the slot. Doesn't leave much. <laughs> Uh, David Njoku has produced 50-plus receiving yards in three of his four games. After not gaining 50 in any of his first five games this year, they're featuring him a lot more. Njoku has more yards after the catch than any tight end in the league, despite already having his bye week. They get it to him quick, and he gets something after the catch. Since week four, Njoku only has five. T- and only five tight ends have a better target share and a t- target rate per route run since week four. He started slow, he's coming on strong. And the Joku leads all NFL tight ends with a target share of 34% in the red zone. The Steelers have allowed, though, just one touchdown this year to tight ends. Much like Cooper, his splits are a lot different with or without Watson. With Watson, he's at 5.2 targets, four catches, 35 receiving yards. To pose without, seven targets, 4.5 catches, 50 receiving yards. All right, I'm going to take that quick break. We're going to talk a little pass rush and run game. You're probably aware of this. T.J. Watt has the second most sacks in NFL history in a player's first 100 games behind only Reggie White. But he still has four more games to play. You know, he's only played 96 career games. Nick Bosa is the only player in the league with more quarterback hits than Watt right now. He has 16 career sacks in his 11 games versus the Browns. And the Browns took four sacks last week. They also ran for 178 yards against Baltimore last week. Jerome Ford is really the number one here. He averages 4.3 yards for carry compared to 3.3 for Kareem Hunt. Nick Chubb is at one before his injury. Ford saw 64% of the snaps last week and averaged 6.3 yards per carry against a really good Baltimore defense. However, 26% of Ford's runs this year have failed to gain yardage. That is the highest rate of any running back with 100 or more carries. So he gets stuffed behind the line of scrimmage a lot. But Ford is also sixth in the NFL with 289 of his yards on gains of 10 or more runs. So there's a boom bust nature to Ford. Watson also scrambled on 17% of his dropbacks last week. I think you'll probably see about the same same with DTR. They're going to want him to scramble a lot. They'll probably design some runs for him as well. So remember against the Packers, A.J. Dillon had that 40-yard run. But other than that, the Steelers kept him and Aaron Jones to 65 yards on 21 carries. It's pretty good, all in all. Pittsburgh's 40.7 red zone efficiency is better than every defense except Tampa Bay, Tennessee, and Baltimore. And the Steelers lead the NFL with five red zone interceptions. They also have eight passes defensed in the red zone, which is second most. Over their past five games, The Steelers defense is allowing one point five, five points per drive. That's fifth best over the last five weeks. So has been better. That's no question about that. Now, my prediction is exactly what you think, a grind out, slug it out. Punts and field goals aren't the end of the world. 1613 Steeler win. I think this is playing right into Tomlin's hands. Not that Watson's a great player by any means, but this is a in-over-his-head player. At least he was his first start and DTR I'm talking about. And I think they just looked at P.J. Walker. When I did my P.J. Walker homework, it was like, man, this guy is horrendous. So I think he's just anything besides P.J. Walker. And another key to this Ravens off or Browns offense, I mentioned they throw deep. They don't complete a high percentage, but they turn the ball over a lot, no matter who their quarterback has been. And the Steelers don't. And to me, that's the difference. Is I get Steelers winning 16-13. If you win the turnover battle, it leads exactly where you want to be in a game like this. And I just trust the Steelers to win the turnover battle. Sometimes it's that simple, old school football. There you have it. Um, talk soon, over and out.